Well, if you joined us last week, you'll remember uh, we've got a very uh, talented Renaissance man, if you will. Voiceover actor. Voiceover actor, <laughs> welder, hunter, fisherman, conservationist. Uncle. Sheep, uh, guzzler, designer, engineer, builder, uncle, grandfather, father, father of course. Of course. <laughs> Husband. <laughs> Goddamn Uncle Mel. Well, thanks. Nice to be with you. Uncle Mel. I actually got a... a a few uh, nice messages about your last uh, podcast with us and how people really enjoyed it. And just a couple, that was it. <laughs> a, a couple, well, a couple people that took time to say, you know, and nobody said it sucked, so that means it was good. There'd be more if they could see your face, Alan. Well, that's great. That's great. I'm glad to hear it. But well. also, kind of, and uh, I guess probably in a good way, shed the shed some light on our declining deer population and really i think a uh, a few people that i spoke to they actually said you know that they were uh they were not gonna uh if they drew deer tag some of them had already put in they weren't gonna choose to hunt and yeah. and, and i think people shoot it, it broadened my horizons you know when you talk about that number we talked about what 200 something thousand and and then all the way down to 64,000 that's scary yeah, 74 yeah. 244 to 70 yeah, 78,000 yeah. uh last came over the other night and talked to him about you know it was before the tags came out and i was like oh you know who cares about getting a deer tag or whatever you know there no deer in the state and i told him that number 78 and he's just like are you sh he, no and he's a lifelong hunter too you know yeah. no idea so it's kind of it's kind of out of sight out of mind for i think for a lot of hunters that the the, the tags are available and if you get one you get one you, you they think though the caliber's there and whatever it is but <clears> if they really you know are want to get educated on it they'll start realizing that uh, the true conservationists which is us got to do something because it ain't going to come from above well you know that we we have you know subconsciously known i guess or or you at least right the hunting has gotten a lot tougher i mean it's 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 been a lot harder to get good deer and yeah you 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 blame it on whatever you want to blame it on you know but the reality is, is our our deer population is is suffering a little bit right now and my brother we did i hadn't even told mel this yet my brother did draw a, a 11 12 13 deer tag and it's like what do you do you know after having the conversation we had and talking about it do you do you let it go or you just go and try and find an, an old salty buck to kill i don't know it, it, it'll be well, well i'll ask you now what do you think northern washoe deer tag early my brother's got it well we only have one season in in uh 11 12 and 13 for deer unless he has a muzzle loader right yeah he's got the full month to hunt and fortunately uh although the the deer are way down in numbers like we discussed the last time um, there are some older age class deer in 011, 12, and 13, and you guys know exactly where to go. Um, you know, you go talk to Lavore and, and uh, get up there behind his house and, and, and a little bit south. Um, there's, some, there, there's, there's some good deer in there. Um, you can also go 
over to Glencoe and in there and take take a look. But I believe it's going to take a lot of scouting. Um, you're not going to see the numbers like we were used to seeing, you know, just a short time ago. Um, you're talking of a population of a thousand deer in there now. Right. So, you know, it it has you know virtually half of what the granites, which is if you look at the size between 011, 12, and 13 versus 014. I mean, the land mass is so great in there, but you know, we've only got a thousand deer and that's about half of what the granites had. Well, it is half of what the granites had, you know, 12, 10, 12 years ago. So, yeah, I just, I remember going up there and, you know, just four wheel and ride or going out shooting squirrels or whatever the case may be and deer run around, right. cross the roads or in the fields, you can always see them. And it's, it's not like that. I'm gonna have to tell my brother he can only shoot an old one or, or none at all. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I I definitely wouldn't. I, I wouldn't turn an old 11, 12, 13 tag back. You've got the whole month to hunt it. Fortunately, we got that changed. We don't have an early late season in there, so I mean it's it's probably worth keeping the tag, but um, it's going to be tough to to find that that one he wants if he wants a big mature buck. Right. Should we? How do you put out? Uh, a change how does the law get changed in for seasons does it come from the uh end out the end out or does it come from higher up does it come from is it stipulated by congress it, it, or, no no it's 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 set every other year every other year mm-hmm. um in the what is it february meeting of of, of uh the commission. So you have to put forth, let's say I wanted to see a change or, or put forth, my idea I think is deserving of at least a meeting. How do I go about that? Do I have to get signatures to be on a ballot to be brought to the department? No, or there's several ways to do it, but the easiest way to do it is to go to your county cab meeting, your county advisory board to manage wildlife, sell it to them, um, say, and we, like I was saying before, we had just a few years back, we had the two seasons, the split seasons, the early, the late, they called it, but there was nothing late about it. It was just taking the standard season and cutting it back. And um, I don't, I don't want to go into what, what they said they were going to do with this, but it never became true what they were going to do. It didn't, you know, issue more tags. But you go into the cab and, and present your case to the cab and if they like it, they're going to take it forward to the commission. You can bypass the cab and go straight to the commission when, when we're doing season settings, which is done before quota, a couple of months before quota seasons, and tell the commission that you would like that changed. <clears throat> um, there's changes occurring every year for, especially quotas. They, they change every yeah, year. Yeah, the quotas. Even for seasons. Um, you know, we, we have to adjust to, to what's going on out there. So, but uh, having a, like take Colorado, for instance, or Montana, where you have these short five, seven, nine day seasons. Um, you're talking of, of a population that is, you know, three or four and five times bigger than what we have here in this state. So you could probably be okay with a five day season or a nine day but to do it here, you know, the, all of us would be wanting that last nine-day season. Right. So, 
you know, could you imagine a guy going out there in October the way our, our October's have been? Except for last year. I mean, uh, last year reminded me of, you know, when I was younger. I mean, we had a very, very good snowstorm early in October. Mm -hmm. It was great. And, <laughs> and uh, but for the most part, you'd have the majority of those people putting in for the, for those late seasons, understandably. Which I we think just don't have those numbers to support a, a 10 day season we just we don't have it 10 days or less yeah you don't have you, you don't have time to get it done in 10 days well that's what i'm saying but i in my mind i'm on kind of playing the other side but i like that idea if you're not successful in 10 days you're either not going to put in which you're going to save the deer or you're not going to be successful in maybe shooting anything or is the other side of that that you only have nine days so and you're going to be pressured the first thing you see yeah right so I would argue most people shoot one quick. You think? I, I would. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, if you said, "Hey, you got you got Friday, Saturday, Sunday to get a buck," to most people, the first one they see with horns, I think they shoot. You know? Okay, so I mean, then the better option is to either only allow a tag every five years, like other species, and that's <laughs> going to help out, or you know, junior tags get cut, all number of tags get cut. Um, but there's definitely some stuff that could be doing because I, in my mind, the stuff that's been going on hasn't helped. Obviously, it's the numbers have declined. So you, what is, right? Chaos. But I like the, the habitat, you know, like Mel was talking about last week was, you know, we need to focus on some habitat issues. You know what I mean? hundred percent. We need that, you know, different gonna, kind of I think vegetation. Go, we need some instead water. Instead of trying and, one thing and seeing if it's going to work. Multiple things. You got to do very extreme, aggressive things. And yeah, you're going to make, some hunters mad but in the end it's going to be better for everybody i think because if you're a true conservationist you can't like what's going on right you know you're oh i didn't get a tag this year well okay you didn't get a tag when it was normally year i mean i went 10 years between i was 12 and 22 I went, as a state a nevada right. resident it went 10 years between tags it just makes that tag when you get it that much better and you're going to have a if things start slowly working putting into effect three four five years down the line you're going to have a much better hunt if that's all you want to do is a trophy, you know, quote unquote trophy hunt. You're going to have a better hunt if you go to the extreme for four or five years and do all these drastic things that have never been done before. Because what we've been doing for 10 years, 15 years, hasn't changed shit. It's just been keep going down and down to 78,000 deer, yeah. right? So, you know, a couple of things. I, I tried to do just that, what you were talking about earlier, what you alluded to, Clay, and it was just last year. And what I wanted to do was, um, I wanted to make it mandatory to where if you drew a tag this year, you had to set out the next two years and you still had to pay your $10 application fee. So you're essentially buying a bonus point, correct? Yep. So, well, and I, I did, I had a lot of support for this from, from sportsmen and a couple guys, one on the commission and one on the commission and one uh, that was on, on a cab and at the very end, you know, they, they, they changed their mind about it. And I asked him, I said, why did you guys change your mind? And that the reasoning they gave was, well, a, a guy that gets a tag this year, he wants to put in next year, but he's still, you know, he still thinks he has that chance to draw that deer tag. And I said, well, what's the difference? I mean, okay, I got a sheep tag, you know, 
two years ago. Why couldn't I just start putting in again? Because, hey, I had that same yeah, chance. Right. You know, why, why can't I do it? So, you know, that reasoning makes no sense whatsoever. But yeah. if you if you truly want people to have that, and I don't like using this word, Trophy, yeah. opportunity, um, this is that would be one way to do it. So, I mean, and the points you get now, bonus points versus preferential points. Then you have preferential points versus tiered preferential points. And, uh, you know, we sh it's kind of like, to me, it's describe it the best as getting the soup line, you know. So you're going to get in that soup line, and if, and if you don't get up there fast enough, you don't get over there fast enough to get in line, you know, you might not get the soup that day. Yeah. So, and this could happen all the time for whatever reasons it is. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same as drawing a tag. Some guys, like myself, we just don't have that kind of luck, yeah. you know. Some guys do. Um, buddy of mine drew Area 7 again, Area 7 late for the second year in a row this year for deer. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense, but I did try to do that. Um, I just gave up on it after the first hearing and says, you know, it's just not, it's not worth pursuing that. I wanted to ask you to follow up with something we talked about last week because it intrigued me. Is there funds out there for landowners to plant vegetation and things like that or or have a guzzler put up or something on their private land through any of the groups that you work with uh, not so much the groups um if a landowner were to come to say nbu and and present the case and um nbu seen that it was viable for wildlife um they would definitely go for that. Uh, there is NRCS money, and NRCS is, uh, they will pay a rancher to do, or a landowner, to do improvements to his land. So it, I've, I've done it a, a couple of times now, installed, a person has a spring on their, on their property, and I'll go in and, and rehab the spring and, and put in a, Put in a water trough and protect that spring head and the nrcs will will give them money to have that accomplished on their own property yeah but the nrcs you know they want to see these types of things which is done what, what's too. the nrcs for people that don't know uh national resource uh, i can't remember the whole thing it's a, it's a i don't know what's like a I, I know what it, i know what they are but i don't know what it yeah. stands for um <laughs> but that uh, thinking of that that opens a lot of like a, a bag of worms in my opinion that if you're going to take money from the state let's say the state gives you money to do that you can say on one side, yes, that spring or whatever rehabilitation that we're doing to your land is effect or is, is helping wildlife. They come onto your property, they go off your property. But if they're going to spend time to come in and and that's to benefit wildlife, but you can only hunt that wildlife if they go off your property. And the other side of it, people will be like, well, if we're going to spend money on your private property, you're going to have to allow the public to come hunt because you're using public funds to help you. So does the homeowner or the landowner now open their property up to hunting, well, you know, and that they get to change it because they're taking funds from the public. Now you got to do insurance wise and all that stuff. Cause it's on private. Yeah. Uh, or do you just say on the one side, yeah, okay, we're taking the money, but like I said, our spring, our feed, our fields or whatever are taking your wildlife off of public land coming to feed. Now they're going back out to public right? and we're <clears> helping out on that side. 
you, so you bring kinda, up a, you know, a good and interesting point, but how many people have enough property to hold those animals that, that you're referring to there long enough? Right. So what you're doing with with bringing real you know rehabs and meadow rehabs, even if it's on private property, you're you're doing that not for not actually you know it's for the landowner. It sure is, but let's look a hundred years down the road. Let's look fifty years down the road. Yeah. It, that landowner. I mean, we might have different rules about land ownership, and I, I I'm pretty sure we're headed that way. Yeah. So we are doing things that. Uh, will definitely benefit wildlife in the future by by doing these types of projects. Getting rid of wild horses around springs. Mm-hmm. I remember it's so, wild every horses, time period. I talk yeah. about wild horses, it chaps my high beat. I, I remember being up on uh, um, where did uh, God, what's the name of it? Up on top where Chad had his deer tag and he got that big blister in that dry reservoir up on top we even killed some coyotes on it uh right before you're going into i know what it is you um, want me to say it yeah fee no 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 did he have his 034 tag that year at no like no he had it, it right before you go into uh, <clears throat> the sheldon the sheldon you stop yeah, and, go and you up go on up top of the coyote like other side of Coyote Mountain or Coyote Springs yeah. or whatever. What that, is on top called. of there? Well, well, it's it's back by Massacre Ridge. But there's a oh my god, I can't believe what I can't think of the name of it. I'll, it'll come to me in a second, and I'm losing my mind. It's in our family. I'm losing my mind like Grandma. I I can't remember yesterday. Anyway, <laughs> um, we were up there, and there's this. I rem- I know specifically a spring out there, and I didn't see anything. And all of a sudden, here come horses. There were they had dug that spring out eight, ten feet, and they were that far down in the ground that you couldn't see them. But they kept digging and digging and find to get to the water. Uh-huh. And you'd look, and here come horses up out of that spring, and you couldn't see them. And it, I mean, it's it's flat, flat land, right? And here they come up out of that spring, and you go over there, and it's just a big hole in the ground from them basically digging and looking for that what the hell his name is that uh, well when you describe it that way there's so many places that uh, that well i believe the country you're talking about is called bittner table bittner butte is bittner. the little round mountain <laughs> yeah bittner and, and a, the spring you're probably that's what i was just looking at on here was bittner yeah and, and isn't it you park at the, basically the fence of the sheldon and then yes. go, okay. yeah then you walk up the hill there yes. is a lake there is a, a little reservoir to your right a lake but when you when you walk further, I'm sure you went over to East Spring. It's called East Spring, and it it's on the uh, south south rim. Macy Flat, overlooking. No, oh, Macy. No, you're if you're it's if Bittner. you're going into the Sheldon and, and it's on the left hand side, that's definitely. Bittner. I remember parking right that's at the Bittner. gate of the Sheldon and then walking up on that ridge to to the west. To the west. That's Bittner. Okay. Yes, Bittner. Then that's, that's Bittner. It. Yeah. Great country. I mean, they they had a really healthy. I'd go up there and count that lek every year for the sage grouse lek for for a few years. We'd have fun doing that. We'd stay at at uh, Massacre Cabin and run over there and count those sage grouse. Well, we asked you back on here not to <laughs> recap and re go over this, even though it is very interesting and a lot of There's people so like to hear. There's so many things to talk about. There is today. We want to pick your brain. 
because the obviously the tag uh, results came out as I shared with What'd you guys. What'd you get, Alex? I got nothing again, of course. What'd I get, Clay? I got nothing. Mel got nothing. nothing. <laughs> Clint got nothing. The only Chance person we know, my brother did draw a deer tag. Um, but hopefully some of you out there listening drew some tags. So we want to talk. We want to talk ballistics. Is, yeah, ballistics and what caliber. Which I guess the goodest time as any to thank Federal Premium Ammunition for uh, bringing this show to you today. And that's what we're going to talk about today with Uncle Mel because he's got a lot of years of experience. Everything from, I assume, maybe you don't shoot your uh, your uh, quarry on your trap line. But uh, I'm sure at some point in your life you have, you know, small caliber all the way up to the big stuff. So you, you, you've got a pretty good feeling, I'm going to imagine, on, on uh, different calibers and ballistics and i mean it's changed over the years right like i don't know i, I was New a 30-06 guy or i still am and and most of the world growing up was 270 or 30-06 but now man there's so many different rifle cartridges out there and, and different bullets and everything there's else still, i don't know how you pick now there's more uh i think the record is still held by a 30-06 right that more deer have been killed by a 30-06 oh, i'd have to say a 30-30 is still 30. Still oh, yeah, 30, 30, that's but even before 30, our time. Uh, is is definitely <laughs> right at the top, probably number two. But, a, you know, a 30 out six and a lot of 22 mags take deer, too. You know, it, if I'm sorry to interrupt you, but my dog that, is in here and I don't know what he got into, but he is. I can't smell it. Oh, my God. I wish I had. <laughs> Mel, are you getting over there? I, I wish no, I had. I, I actually, he's closer to me than I wish I had play. COVID breath or COVID nose right now and not smell it, but it is. He's blowing and he's, out. And he's just passed out over there just. Well, so he's dreaming right now. Yeah. You know, you asked a little earlier. I started out, you know, with, yeah, there it is now, boy. I got a whiff. <laughs> now that you brought it up. That guy's got some problems. You want to let him out? Get uh, him out there in the office. He, he needs, always, a, man. He needs a burrito. When I started out with a with a 243 and um, in, in my Coyote Collin, 12-gauge shotgun, a 243, I shot a 90-grain full metal jacket spear bullet. I shot it at 1,490 some feet a second. It was 243.95. 90 grain full metal jacket spear. You know, was the only one who, who built that. And and you had to be very careful when you were loading at that low of velocity. You're talking, you know, usually over 3,300 feet per second for that same bullet. But um, it was a out to 150 yards. It was it was a very good bullet. My favorite today. Um, Let me is, guess. <laughs> go ahead. Six five PRC. No, uh, my my favorite today for shooting coyotes is a two hundred four. Oh, I thought you, I didn't know we were talking about coyotes. I wouldn't have said that. Uh, the two hundred four is uh, is just a it, it's a unique cartridge. You know, you sit on a bench all day and you, you shoot squirrels and you shoot the two hundred four with the forty the the rifle I had the rifles I have they like the forty grain better than the thirty two and you sit on that bench and you know you. After each shot, you're you're feeling that barrel to make sure it's not getting hot. And once you send one down the down the bore in a hot barrel, that barrel's no good anymore. So you're always feeling for that heat. And uh, first time I shot this 204, I shot it 50 times, and it, it was not. And this is at Lavore's Field. You know how fast that action is. But um, I said, "Wow, this thing isn't getting hot." Well, I I forced myself because of a shooter that I really respect, Jim Crow. Um, I I clean at 50 rounds, so I put it in the in a safe that I carry in the back of my truck, a 
one that I can carry nine rifles with, and I'll pull another one out and shoot it for a while. But the 204, I thought it was going to be a Fowler, you know, like a 22, 250, or 17, but it, it didn't foul. And Crow was a was a six and a half guy. He was shooting a six and a half 284 then. And uh, I took it over to his house, and he's ah, you don't know how to clean. He's 90, he's 96 now, but I mean, back then he was in his 80s or. And I, maybe it was in the late 70s, but he, I said, no, this thing doesn't foul. He says, ah, bring it over here. You don't know what you're doing. So I took it over there, and he sent a couple of patches of butcher's borscht down there and says, Jesus, this is pretty good. <laughs> so he, he didn't buy a 204. He, he bought the, he bought, he's a wildcat guy. Everything's got to be a wildcat. Yeah. So he, he, he played around with the 20 caliber for a while, and now he's shooting nothing but 17s. So Are you saying the 204 because... It's got a perfect combination of knockdown power and not to tear up the body because it's a smaller load. Because I've used a 204 sometimes, and obviously if you hit any animal perfectly, they're going to fall and die immediately. But I've, you know, if you hit a coyote bad, let's say, and you're shooting at a coyote that's, their kill hole is very small. Mm-hmm. After you take off the, the, the fur, they're vitals are very small they're not very yes. they're not so yeah. if you shoot a little back i mean i've seen them run off on some other higher end calibers but if you're shooting and make a bad shot on a 204 versus let's say a two twenty two two fifty 250 or maybe even a 243 people hunt with they're more apt to die with that bigger cartridge than the 204 if you're making a bad shot if you make a good shot yes and, and that's true with that's true with all colors you know if you talk elk hunting a 270 is completely adequate for 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 elk hunting but you know you get a glancing quartering shot at at 110 yards you know you're off hand uh, i'm sure you'd rather have a 300 mag in your hand or a 338 or something like that but a 204 this is in mostly in calling situations so uh, you're not that far and you know th- it's it's pretty tough for a, for any coyote to to re, you know to not fall down when you double lung him with a 204 to 100 yards yeah. and 40 grain bullet what what caliber for a coyote would you if you are wanting to still you know keep the fur what caliber is too big where, where would you stop 243. 243 is the biggest. And what, 55, 6, I mean, with the, four, with the 243, I'd go back to the, the 90 grain full metal jacket. I really would. I'd go back to that bullet. And what type of bullet would you use that most of the time the, it's going to go in and stop and not come out the other side? Well, with the full metal jacket, I'm burning all the way through, but you got to realize I'm burning a you know, not even a quarter inch hole in and out because it doesn't expand at all when it's when it's hitting them. Um, uh, give me a yardage. What I you know, you talking three hundred no, yards? No, hundred yards. Call in situation, hundred yards and in. And you want to save fur? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you a guy that that uh, saves the fur and and he and he takes more coyotes than anyone I know, and he lives in Wyoming. Uh, he I shoots a 25 out six with 117 grain bullet. 25 out six. 25 out six, 117 grain bullet, soft nose. He he and loves he, those. He, he saves them all. That that well yeah, and the guy he, can shoot. Yeah. I'm talking a I'm talking a guy that can kill a coyote at 600 700 yards at 25 out six, all the time. Not okay. not a luck shot. I mean he can do it. 
But as the average consumer, average hunter who's not, you know, making his own rounds and not reloading factory load. I think, you know, I really honestly believe that, you know, it hurts me to say this because, you know, I don't even know if I own one anymore. When I first got introduced to them, I didn't like them at all. But you guys have to realize, you know, when I was your age and, and even younger, when I started this stuff, reloading and, uh, you know, with these bullets, we didn't have the selection. Yeah, okay. No. But a, a 22 250 and a 55 grain bullet and a 1 in 12 twist is probably what I would tell, is probably what I would tell people to, <laughs> to use. It's probably, it's just an ultimate, ultimate predator gun that's what i have it's funny you say that because i have that right here that's what we shoot what are those 10 boxes i can't see the label well yeah i got so obviously you guys can't see what we're doing but i have um 10 boxes of ammo here that we use from you know squirrel hunting all the way up to elk and and beyond you could use you know a 308 but because you've you've even what would you kill your moose with 338 in didn't no i shot my moose with the 300 wind bag 300 wind okay. 180 grain scirocco um but you said the coyote so this is a ballistic tip 55 grain for varmint and predator it is moving out of the muzzle at 3670 that's moving that's moving that is federal that is. premium 22250 nosler ballistic tip 55 grain Let's just and energy is sixteen hundred and forty-five pounds, foot pounds at the muzzle. What I mean, look at that, and that's just specs at that. What what do you see in that? That I mean, reloading. Did you reload close to those numbers? What were when you reloaded for your personal use? For personal use, when I was reloading, other than the two forty-three ninety grain at fourteen ninety, I I tried the best I could at maximum. I'm gonna go ahead and say something here. Um, when when you're buying this federal, and th th these are premium I see, yeah. but the thing about federal is, if there's a particular bullet you like, federal probably puts it on the shelf for you. Yeah, 100%. I know they're very tough to find, but, um, uh, you know, a nozzler is a is a very good constructed construction. Yeah, I mean, right here, just bullet. Just oh, sorry, I very good. So that's what I was just going to say. Just with these ten boxes, we got the nozzler. They come in a Barnes, a Burger, Terminal Ascent. I mean, they got all these different options. Exactly. Like you're saying, and, and and they even you know they even have the uh, the new one now that uh, I see there. You know, they load them the hybrid. Yeah. And when you talk about a hybrid bullet. You know, you're talking about a bullet that has a, a, a the maximum ogive you can have on a bullet. It, it, it's maximum. And there's only just a very small portion of that bullet in that, that hybrid that is actually the, the diameter of a bullet, like a 308 for a 300. So the seating is, you know, when you're seating those bullets, there's, there's not a lot of room for air. But... Federal does a great job, I believe, with using all these different uh, manufacturers of bullets that people have to choose from. Yeah. And luckily, I, we are guys that, you know, for the most part, we're shooting 
300 wind mags, 30-06s, 22-250s, and they're popular. So they're, they're going to they're gonna offer you the bullet that you probably, you're, not that you like, but probably what your barrel's going to like. Right. <clears throat> I don't see them on the, the 223, 224 Valkyrie, and 22-250, but probably going up. I'm just looking. Explain, they are on all of these. Explain to me, I know, I think I know what it is, but explain to our viewers what a ballistic coefficient is and why you want a higher coefficient than, you know, obviously a lower coefficient. And we're, <laughs> that's a kind of a weird, easy question. And, you know, but, and we have to be, you don't have to be caliber specific, but I think you have to have a range of, of when we start talking BCs, um, ballistic coefficients, I think we need a range of what the calibers we're talking about. But, you know, you're not going to find a 22 caliber bullet with a, with a 620 BC, right? right. I mean, yeah. you know, you're going to find one in the high twos and you're going to be happy with that. And that's funny because so. you say that because they don't even mark them on these 22 caliber. They only start on the box telling you what the BC is at 243 and up. Well, just just curious. I see you got a box of 243s there. And, yep. And is it a 95 grain bullet? 95 grain. So what is that? Uh, what is the BC on that? 443 or something? 434. 434. So <laughs> I've, I've never seen that, just so you know. Uh, but that is a great ballistic coefficient for for a six millimeter bullet, the 243. Um, That's when, the drag in the air, right? Is Oh, yeah, you didn't explain. So what is a ballistic coefficient? Uh, you know, a technical term, I can't tell you what a ballistic coefficient is. It, it's the length and the weight of the bullet, the design of the bullet. Um like we talked about ogive, the longer the ogive is, as long as you can make it, that's going to give you a better better BC. Talk a flat base bullet versus a, a boat tail bullet. Um, you're you're going to get up into those higher BCs with that. And but the higher BC, the more accurate, more less wind drift, less more power downfield. What, what all three all three of those the higher i think the easiest way to explain it the higher the bc the more retention of all the good things more retention of velocity more retention of of accuracy it, it, it's slicing through the air and, and not dropping as bad what kills you know with a bullet is called kinetic energy mm -hmm. and how is that produced when you go to Africa, they don't talk about that anymore. They talk about sectional, sectional densities. So they're wanting those big, heavy bullets. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, most of them are flat, you know, flat nose, round nose, um, those types of bullets. But, but you're in close. You're within 100 yards. Yeah. So you, you're not going to take that gun, you know, a, a 450, a 600 <laughs> Nitro, and try to shoot out there at... That's, you know, 400 you want, yards. You want to stop the line charging you right now. Did you, <laughs> yeah, you, look, did you look it up by what, chance, exactly power. what the definition is of ballistic coefficient? Look mm -hmm. that up for me because I would actually know what the technical term and decision factors are. I know how we get it, it there. In ballistics, the ballistic coefficient of a body is a measure of its ability to overcome air resistance in flight. Is inversely proportional to negative acceleration a high number indicates a low negative acceleration the drag on the body is the small proportion to its mass so that's that's, that's where the ogive comes yeah in. so basically it's like you said it's it's maintaining it's once it leaves the barrel 
It's how good that bullet is at maintaining flight, its ultimate yeah. power. Yeah. Yeah. So, which it's like aerodynamics is what you're kind of talking about with exactly, you know, a boat tail versus a flat, you know, that's all aero. I mean, somebody a lot smarter than I can, can figure out the aerodynamics of a bullet and yeah. how it doesn't create that drag and resistance as it cuts through the air, like you said, yeah. and then it hits harder because it's, you know, retained its speed and it's not tumbling and all that stuff. Yeah. And so I've always, it's like we're talking about earlier, all these different calibers coming up. You got the 243, the six millimeter, six, five PRC, the six, five Creedmoor, all these different, basically it's a six millimeter bullet neck down and change a little bit, but it's all well, kind of the let, same there. What, what are, so what are uh, all let, the let's differences? With the, let, let's talk about a six millimeter for a second. You know, Remington came out with a 244. You guys probably never heard of this round, but that was the first they came for. What you guys know now is a six millimeter Remington. Okay. Winchester had the six millimeter, which is a 243 Winchester. They took a 308 case, necked it down to six, and we're off and running. Probably, you know, one of the greatest cartridge, you know, cases ever built was a 308 or a 30-06. Look at how many calibers that we've got out of those. So uh, the 243 had a one in 10 twist. The, the 244 had a one in 12 twist. So the, the, the 244 Remington couldn't, couldn't stabilize a 100 grain bullet. So Remington redesigned their 244, gave it a one in nine and a half twist, and, and, and called it the six, millimeter, the six millimeter Remington that we know what it today. So it's the same, it's the same, it's the same thing. And while we're on this subject, you know, we have to talk about rate of twist. It, it's, if you want to shoot big bullets, you, you're not going to do it very easily in a standard rate of twist, which is what eight. we all know about 1 in 10. Okay? Your 22-250 is probably a, a 1 in 12 twist. Okay, So now 223s go anywhere from 1 in 12 all the way down to 1 in 9, one, you know, 1 in 6. So what are we doing there? Well, it, the 30 PRC is gaining a lot of popularity. And the reason why is I... I, I when I was here last time, I seen that Clay really likes this 200 grain, 215 grain bullet. Okay, well, a 243 with a with a one in, or excuse me, a, a 300 Winchester mag with a one in ten twist is is going to have a tougher time stabilizing that 230 grain bullet that that we use in a 30 PRC. And the reason why is just the rate of twist. You got a 30 300 PRC that. That I, I think the twist is a one in eight, eight point eight. You know, we, you know. Now we're cutting hairs. You know, now right. oh, it's eight point eight. It's about eight or nine. It's eight point <laughs> eight. So it, it means a lot. If you're going to shoot a rifle, is someone going to come to me and they're going to say, "Okay, Uncle Mel, I need, I, I, I need a rifle." I said, "Okay, what are you going to hunt?" Uh, well, I'd really like to hunt deer and elk. Okay. I'm going to steer them towards a 30 6 or a 300 mag. Um, that's you know that's where I'm going to head with that. Um, and the reason why uh, it's a pro they're both proven calibers. The 30 6 has bullets made all the way from 55 grain to 220 grains. You know the 30 6 is that, in my opinion, is the grandpa of all. You know they, they, that is 
That's the, that's the standard, that's the bench. Okay, let's talk something better, let's talk something worse. But that's what I'm gonna put them, but then if someone says, well, I just, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go elk and moose hunting. Uh, maybe I'll take a bear in Alaska. I would, I would probably tell them to go with a 300 mag plus, but I would, I would tell them that, you know, you really need to, to look for rifles that are made with that one and eight twist, that one and nine twist. Because if you wanted to shoot 230 grain bullets, you know, you need a different twist that what you're going to stabilize in a 300 mag with a 180 grain bullet. And it's funny because you never hear people talk about twist unless they reload or they're really, you know, they're really well versed in, in firearms. You, they never, you never, the only guys that talk about twist is guys that reload bullets that I know. You know what I mean? They, or they're really into guns. I, I, I guess I don't really understand it either because is are you talking the twist of the barrel? Yeah, the rifling yeah, the, in the Okay, barrel. you said the 225, but you can shoot I think I now that I understand what you're talking about because I was confused for a second, but you can shoot let's say a 22250 out of a barrel that has a 1 in 10 or a 1 in 12 if if Two different manufacturers make that. Let's say a manufacturer makes a 22-250 with a 1 in 12, and one makes one with a 1 in 10. If that's the case, that cartridge that's 95 grains might shoot better out of the 1 in 10 versus the 1 in 12. And then if you go up to a 85 grain, it might shoot better out of the 1 in 10 versus yeah. 1. Is that what you're saying? Let, let's stick with what you're let's stick with what you're talking about, the 22-250 and not the 95 grain bullet. Okay. When you talk about uh, 22250s, the, the least I've ever seen is 40, 40 grains. The biggest I've seen and shot are 55 grains. Yeah. It, it's the 223s two when you're talking 224 diameter. Um, it's a 223s, two you have a wide range. So when you're punching, uh, you know, what is the bullet I want to do? What is the bullet I want to use? Why is the reason I'm going to have this? So you're, you're going to look at you're going to look at the twist and that's the rate of twist in that barrel so that means a one in ten in every 10 in, 10 inches that bullet gets to turn one time so in a 24 inch barrel it got to turn two and a quarter two, 2.4 times yeah. correct yeah. okay so in order to stabilize those heavier bullets we got to get them spinning faster so that's why your two two threes that are made for the military, and and your 5.56s, um, which is, there's not a lot of difference in them, but the 5.56 should not be shot in a 2.23, but the 2.23 can be, be shot, shot in a 5.56, five, five, correct? Yeah. But you're talking about a one and nine twist, but these guys are trying to stabilize a 63 grain bullet and bigger, 72 grains. I mean, you're shooting a 22 caliber that's getting these grains way up there. So you need a different rate of twist for the heavier or lighter bullets. So if you're sticking with a, you just said a 5.56 and you take a, a, cause you're shooting a 223 at 35, 36, at 100 feet per second, maybe even more, right? Out of the barrel? Yeah, but, that, but that doesn't have anything to do with the rate of twist. No, I'm saying, talking. but if it's going faster and it's a lighter bullet, so you're saying it, it can, it's take, not spinning as fast. It's as not if spinning. I put it in a one and nine versus a one and twelve. 
one my bet is your rifle has a one in twelve twist. You're, that two twenty two two fifty you're shooting. That's my bet. I, I think it's a one in eleven. If I'm, uh, are you if, shooting a Beretta? No, all Benelli. And I think the new. I mean, excuse me, Benelli. The I, I can't remember. I'll the, have to go look. You're three hundred. When I first seen your three hundred. Oh, Benelli. That's right. I thought we were talking about the twenty. Yeah, you're twenty two two fifty. A one in eleven, that's that's fine. I mean yeah, you know, um, one in twelve. But I'm just saying, so if it's a lighter bullet, two twenty three, let's say it's a two twenty three, and like you just said, there's so there's a big variation in the grains that a two twenty three can be made out of. The lighter the the lighter the bullet can be in a one in twelve. Yes, a lighter bullet can be now there is a limit to stabilize how, it. how 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 much that is? Yeah, you know, how 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 low you can go. But the if lower the, the number, the more the more twist is. Yeah, one and eight. The, yeah, because so you, now the heavier barrels. A need one to come and eight. Out. Now yeah. an eight inches that that bullet spun once instead of a one and ten where it's you know it has to go ten inches right. to spin. So, and you can change the barrels on. Absolutely, you can change and, the twist. So on. is that when people talk? Oh my! This bullet doesn't like my barrel, or this bullet, you know, it sh- like you just said it. Your your gun shot better at. 40 what would you say 40 grains like rather 40 than 32 grains 40 32 so, so it is was that probably a velocity thing it really was it probably a velocity but not thing. the twist thing to stabilize well absolutely a twist is going to come in there you know at shooting between 32 and 40 no it's not going to come into play 32 they make 36s 38s 40s um it's not going to come into play that way but if i'm going to go shoot a 73 grain uh 223 uh, versus a, a 40 grain we're going to have we're most likely going to have a difference that's why you know the 300 mag is that a 200 or 215 grain bullet 200 so it's a 200 and it has so, a ballistic it's crazy this ballistic coefficient for this this terminal ascent from it's got to be in the high fives or 620 or 608. somewhere 608 that, 608 that's yeah awesome Oh, it's just, it's absolutely. I, that terminal sound, I've killed my elk with it, killed his elk with it, all number one, I mean, one kill, one yeah. shot, just. And, and over. that's about the max. That's about the max I would put in a. 300? In a, no, not in a three, but with, in a one in 10 twist. That's oh, about, gosh. that's about as far as I'd want to go. If I want to shoot that 230 grain bullet, I, I'd be dropping down with that 300 PRC. I'd get that, that bullet spinning a little Do faster. Do most manufacturers make a 300 win mag you know all the different variation or calibers is there a standard set across the board twist twist absolutely one in ten. so one in ten is 300s 22 250s or one in 12, 12. or whatever so 30 so, 6, and, that's for, and that's for the manufacturer of the bullets to be able to go in there and have one criteria of a of a barrel to make sure that their ammo is yeah. going to be working in that the I, best I, they can i believe this is you know this everything has come so far bullets have come so far um federal i think they even they even load a sierra game game they team. do, do you have any of those yeah and you know back in the day you know we shot a lot of reloaded a lot of a lot of sierra bullets but but they're they were target they, they were really actually target bullets and uh, very, very, very thin jacketed, you know, with the copper on them. And, but boy, they were accurate. You know, the, what we had for a big game hunting bullet, you know, quote unquote, was a, uh, uh, was a spear grand slam. 
And I mean, this thing was a chunk. You know, I mean, when you look at them today, you go, geez, why did I even shoot those things right. back then? I That's mean, all you had. Big old, you know, kind of a square nose on them, and but what? they were very heavily, heavily constructed. Do you know the difference, Crosby, between what? all these different uh, six mil six millimeter bullets, two forty three six millimeter six millimeter Creedmoor, six five Creedmoor, six five PRC. What uh, what I I really don't know the difference, but you know, two years ago, three years ago, everyone was a rage at six five Creedmoor. You know, L cutting this, this, this. Rage. But they, now they change the they change the shoulder of the cartridge, right? And they hold they hold more powder, less powder. They it, that's know. that's what the game is played. You yeah. know, take a look at a six and a half Creedmoor, and and a six and a half PRC. It is identical to comparing a a thirty out six to a three hundred Win Mag. You're going to go 27, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk 30-06 versus 300 now. 27 on the 30-06, on the 180 grain bullet, 2960 on, on the on the 300 wind mag. Six and a half Creedmoor, 2700 feet per second on 143 grain bullet, 2960 feet per second on a, on a six and a half PRC. Go ahead and check me on that, Alex. Make sure, uh, I'm, make sure I'm telling you the <laughs> truth. But I'm talking, you know, I'm talking standard loads now. And and that's another thing about uh, yeah that I'm gonna I'm gonna am I right? I I'm not I did not check you on that I, I just was looking at something different but the I wanted to say it definitely says factory loads because yeah. it all changes if you start to play exactly. you can go one grain right. you know yeah just yeah. to answer a, a brief part of your question Clay the six five PRC is two hundred to two hundred fifty feet per second faster than a Creed more. Um, same so, but bullet. it does per- produce slightly more recoil, so that means probably more powder. So that that means well, of the course sh- it does, because in order for us to get that, it's the same bullet that we're trying to drive through that barrel. So we're going to have to have more powder to burn it. That's why a three hundred mag, it, you know, versus the thirty uh, six. Right. Just, it has more case capacity. Six, so, six five Creedmoor has. Uh, I guess this must be a, a unit of measure. Forty-seven grains of water, while the PRC's volume is sixty-four. There so you a bigger go. cartridge, seven more grains. So not so much a bigger cartridge, more more powder. It's a bigger case. The, yeah, bigger the, case. Yeah, it's a bigger case. Not in diameter though, because or is it big, lengthened? Lengthened? Is they sh- play with the shoulder as well. Play with no, yeah, but I, I I think it is a longer cartridge. I would get. I would get. Are, you yeah. have two I, I right know, next but not in diameter. Maybe just longer to get the powder in because it's still a six millimeter bullet, right? But that's well, all done six, with the it's neck. It's a six and a half millimeter. Bullet. Okay, six and a half. Those two, between six, those four two diameter. So if that bullet is the same in the in those two calibers, they're, they're both the same bullet. They're messing yeah. with the length of yeah, the, shoulder and the shoulder or the and how far that bullet yeah, goes they, into they, the shoulder. They can, they can blow it out. It's like an Ackley improved. You know, you guys have heard of two eighty G sixty Ackley improved. Mm-hmm. They blow out the shoulder. I mean, you know they. They rechamber the with the chambering tool. They rechamber and they they put that they blow out the shoulders to get a little bit more. That's what all those kind of wildcat rounds and stuff they play with. That's what they're playing with, right? Is the yes, know, they, and, they, they, and, they clip them uh, yeah. shorter. That you know what it's. I don't know. I don't reload any, any anything, so uh-huh. I don't know. But I know the guys that I've talked to about it. That's what they do, right? They're they're playing with that. Yeah, that generally kinda, speaking, you know your your rifle. What I found with the ones I've had, when I step down the velocity, that's where I'm getting that half a minute angle that I'm trying to get, or you know, three quarters. You know, we're we're trying to get that, 
and, and it's, it's generally achievable when you slow it down. Just Less a is more bit. kind of a thing, right? You, yeah. It doesn't have to be the so fast to, to retain a lot of the accuracy. Yeah. Yeah. And when I first started talking, you know, you know, with people and, and like you guys were just saying here, we never, I never remember talking rate of twist. And, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to, to be with Doc Smalley and, and, um, uh, the, um, Clovis Bull, probably some of the best Pendleton shooters there ever were. And they were strictly 243, 308 shooters. Um, they knew a lot, but we didn't talk rate of twist. And I think, I, I think that's the big thing about these custom gun makers today that they're really, they really get involved with that rate of twist. They really do. Uh, why would, you know, a 300 PRC have an 8.8? I mean, yeah, uh, when you get into the to the fractions of an inch, now you're yeah, so, you put some science so behind your I mean, thinking, and it's yeah. a heck of a lot easier to to put a little less or a little more powder in a in a in a case than it is to retwist a barrel. Yeah, a barrel. exactly. <laughs> what what is the difference um, between three hundred? They they I think they I the only two I know they make it in is 270 270 short mag 300 300 short mag why what i mean I, you might not know why they did that but it's they're shorter and fatter getting more case capacity case capacity because it's fatter and more and pushing that bullet faster and, and now what can we do what type of action are we talking about yeah. now that we build rifle short everybody throw. wants a light a light rifle mm -hmm. so we don't have a long action anymore so we, we got the 270s, the 300 short mags, and we can put them in a short action gun, right? right. So that's 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 a lot of what these guys are looking at. They don't want the big long throw on the on the uh, well, yeah, because it adds weight. It yeah. Adds weight, yeah. So sure. would you rather have a three if you only had a choice between the 300, 300 short? What would you go? Are the better? Is it better? They're both. They're bullet? both almost numbers. I'd, exactly okay. the same. I mean, they're going to shoot 100. The 300 short mag is going to shoot a uh, uh, 180 grain bullet the same as a 300 wind mag. I love a 300 wind mag, don't get me wrong. But the belted magnum had to go. And it was just a lazy man's way to, to set head spacing. So you, when, when you set head spacing, that is done from the shoulder of that, of that chamber. Well, with a with a belted magnum, they could do it from the backside of that of that belt. That belt is not needed. Look at the look at the calibers you have today. Uh, I don't know if you have a, a 300 Remington Ultra Mag in there. Or, in the uh, safe, you know, I do not with the, me. So so you you look at it. That 300 Ultra Mag is doing 10 20 percent better than a 300 Win Mag, and it doesn't have a belted case. And belted cases were a pain to. To reload because you had to check to make sure you didn't have separation from the case on those belts so i would myself i would go with a with a 300 short mag for the simple reason that you're going to have a shorter action but the bigger thing is that all of that powder is that much closer 
to the source of ignition, which is the primer, right? So it's all there. Better burn. Now, I mentioned Smalley and, and Clovis Bowl, and what they did, they actually, back in the 50s, they were actually taking and taking the primer out and threading it and building what they called a flash tube. So they would thread this piece of brass rod that had a hole in the middle and, and holes on the side coming out, and they would thread it into that hole where that primer, and they would set a primer in there. So their theory was that that primer's going off and it's, it's burning all that powder all at once and getting it out of the end of the barrel. I mean, these guys were doing this back in the 40s and the 50s. Wow. They were playing with this stuff. So now today you've got these real short, fat, and I, I, I think that without a doubt, the 270 Winchester short mag is just a phenomenal Phenomenal. I mean, I, that's the happy medium. That that is that is a good one. And the 300 short mag, you know, you got the 325 Winchester short mag, but the 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 two best they have, in my opinion, is the 270 short mag and the and the 300 short mag. I just think they're 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 just yeah. Great that's I love the short mag too. And I think when they first came out, you know, people were a little apprehensive because at least my dad always used to say, you, you get clear out to Elko and forgot your shells, they're not going to have. 300 short mag on the shelf same with they're not gonna have six five creed more now that's not so true because well in our current day and age nobody has any ammo but, <laughs> but in no, normal circumstances you'd be able to find all those calibers even yeah. in, in small towns reason, around it's you a know. big reason why i why i say a 30-06 or a 300 wind mag because everybody's gonna you're gonna it. find that stuff right. you know, i could find it in russia when i was there yeah so, you know it was there and you're gonna find it in most places but a 300 you know prc uh, Probably not going to find me? that. What yeah, is that? No, what is that? Probably not going to find for? that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you knock on enough doors in, in in a town, you'd find somebody with some thirty out six or three hundred. I'm sure. <laughs> now knowing, I got, I've got a, I don't know how much, how long we're going to go on this because we could go on every caliber <laughs> forever. <laughs> um, and you already talked. If there is one gun you had to shoot for deer and below. Deer, antelope, coyotes, you know. Reasonable re range. Re yeah, reasonable range. What gun would you go to? And then is that the cutoff? Is deer the cutoff? Yeah. Before you go to the next bigger target? Yeah, probably. I would say that. Uh, where would you go one below and one above if people could only go one on if, each side? If I could go one and I was just going to shoot I was just gonna shoot deer? Deer up. below. That's what I'm saying. A caliber like a you don't want to shoot a 338 Lapua no. at a coyote. I mean, no, you okay. don't. So, no. what one gun would no. you want to shoot? You know, antelope, you, antelopes, bad. I mean, whatever you want to shoot, small game versus deer and above or it'd elk be, and above. It'd be tough for me to to say to not say 300 mag, but it, it is an overkill. But 25 out six, 270, 30 out six. Those it would be hard for me to to nail down a certain one. If, if you push me on it, I'd probably have to go with the 270. So you would, you, you, it sounds like you shoot a 300 for most things, huh? And just get for, lighter bullet and stuff like that? Uh, uh, well, I position different. I, I, my shot placement is different, I should say. My, the, the placement is different. I know I can kidney shoot, a, uh, you know, an antelope, a livering, he's done. With the third, you know, with the three hundred wind mag, so and not blow any meat or anything nothing. like that. You're not going to the, the animal. He's going down. He's he's going two feet, chest to ground. Period. I mean, that that's what's going to happen. 
a, a 270. Is, <laughs> I like that saying. You know, two feet, a, chest to ground. A, a 270 <laughs> is going to, you know, is probably going to do the same thing. A 30-06 is going to do the same thing. A 25-06, you know, 257 bullet diameter is just one of the most overlooked cartridges that we have available to I've us. I've never shot one. It's just a great, great caliber to have. So, I mean, between those three, it'd be really hard for me to take one. But at the end, I would probably take a 270, and I'd probably shoot a 140-grain bullet with it. Uh, what if you said, like, a, a, the doomsday is here, and you can grab one gun? Are you grabbing a 300? No, I'm grabbing a 223. Are you? Mm-hmm. For... I'm not saying to fight other human beings. I'm oh, saying you I'm said saying you, you're, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hunt for the rest of your life with this gun, and that includes everything. You could be elk hunting with it one day. You could be if I you, were if I were to go out today and buy a new one. Two seventy Winchester short, three hundred Winchester short. That, that would be three hundred two seventy Winchester short. Because I mean, yeah. you know, like you said, it, no, it, it is a pretty versatile. I would rather, uh, you know, these guys. You know, you talk six and a half Creed more, and uh, you know. They say, "Oh, we're gonna go take my elk with a 300 Creed, you know, with with a six and a half Creed more." I, I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna take that shot more than 400 yards yeah. with a six and a half Creed more. You know, they say you need 1,500 pounds to to kill an elk. Okay, well, the Creed more is gone at three between 350 and three in a 143 grain bullet now 140 grain bullet forget about it it's done at you know three and a quarter or something but when you're talking about that bullet you know it's gone between 350 and 400 now uh, you know with a 300 wind mag you know i'm, I'm still packing 16 1700 pounds at 500 yards yeah so uh, you know and that's something that you should really think about is you know what are my what are my capabilities number one that's the number yeah. one thing but what is this rifle's capabilities well you touched on it early on in the show is it can it be done yes you know yeah is Perfect. it is it necessarily ethical and can everyone do it and, and are you challenging yourself in that smaller cartridge at the risk of wounding and losing an animal i mean then then at that point that i don't agree yeah. with it go shoot a target with your six five and, and see you know but don't don't risk an elk on whether or not you can hit him right in the heart or double lung him or be within 400 yards and have the restraint not to shoot out over that you know but it, isn't it isn't it so nice alec to to say okay i'm gonna go shoot coyotes today you know what I used that 204 yesterday. I'm going to shoot my yeah, 222 exactly. today. I'm going to go ahead and throw that 223 in and maybe that new 224 Valkyrie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I haven't shot a 224 Valkyrie. I don't know that much about them. Uh, but I'll tell you, you know, a, a 222 Remington Magnum is a, is just a coyote getting, th you know, machine too. Yeah. No, that that is the that's the greatest part about coyotes. You go out there with a 6.5, well, whatever you want, all the way to your... 338s and 50 cows if you watch the early yeah, I mean, devil dogs videos <laughs> like you had said earlier with with him about his 300 and just changing loads a, a lot of people less less bet one gun yeah. he shoots everything with it yeah. everything from coyotes and on up and it's a 300 yeah and he just you know lighter bullets what you're comfortable better with. and that's what you're comfortable with um and also with coyotes, a lot of people use them to get ready for big game. You know, right. they'll go sight in their rifle and then there's go. There's not enough there to to even, you know, a, a 300 wind mag and a 180 grain bullet, 
goes through a coyote and looks back and says, what the heck was that? That's yeah. like some stiff wind, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, like this 300 wind, like this, this 200 terminal ascent bullet federal has 1,967 at five pounds at 500 yards. There you go. That's nuts. So at 700 yards, that's probably what we're going to kick off. Yeah. Okay? You know, but that, you know, that, that 200 grain bullet, there's some 180 grain bullets that you know. Well, your 215s, your 230s, you know, you're you're up dang near to seven, and, and you know, to the 700 shot. So, with these with these BCs. Okay, one last question, Crosby, to you to too, me? both of you. Now we've gone. We 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 have the ammo, we have the gun, and we have the bullets, knowing we have the capability of whatever game we're going to. Now. If you could spend more money, have to spend more money on a gun, the bullets, or optics, what would you do? Is a better placed shot better that you can make because of the optics? Or is it a combination of all three? Obviously, it's a combination of all three. But if you could only do one, what is what is what makes I, you a better I'm by, I'm what by, makes you a better shooter? I've always said to spend money on the glass. I, I, I and mean, that's to find them, bar none. But even most rifles that are out there are, are good enough. You know what I'm saying? You can Accurate. buy the, the cheap's not the right word. None of them are cheap. But yeah. I mean, you know, the, the lower end stuff shoots good enough. You know, but a, a, a Tasco three by nine, you know, little three hundred win match. That's tough to shoot, man. Yeah, it, it is. It, um, glass. Well, you. You didn't ask me what I would. My, mine's not in there as a choice. My first. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you spend on a, a yeah, better my, tag? My first choice is is a trigger. Oh really? Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, you know, like you said, I'll, I'll I'll take that I'll take that rifle, but uh, you know, nine times out of ten, or more than that, um, you're going to play with that trigger. You really need to, and that, that's. That's that's where Savage up the game for everything, you know everything. That, that with that with you bet yeah. you can adjust that thing down to two pounds. I shoot squirrels, and I use an eight ounce trigger pull. Okay, you eight breathe ounces. on that thing wrong, it goes off. Uh, now, and I, I, I several several of my guns have pound and a half, but I really like that eight ounce trigger pull when I'm sitting on a bench, you know, shooting squirrels. But it, for a rifle, two and three quarter pounds, and that you know you get. Some of these guns that are, and I, I won't mention any of the names, but they've been around for a long, long time. And you know, you need to come along to pull the trigger, right? <laughs> and you are no, I'm dead serious. And you are not going to have an accurate rifle. Yeah, it right. starts pull with that pull, trigger. Yeah. It yeah, honestly true. does. And then glass, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put my money like Alex. I, I like that Me glass. Too. Me too. You know, it's, it's so there's so much difference night I mean, and day to that day. That could be a whole other. Go ahead. You're... I was going to say, we, we could have you back on to talk about <laughs> the first deer you ever killed through a scope that's the size of a marker. It was an open sight. Or or even no scope, <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, now you got a scope that's a foot and a half long and it's as wide as a Coke can. But, dude, you can see everything in early morning when you're – or in the evening when you're probably taking yeah. shots that I they do bring in he, all that I light. Mean, he obviously lives here in town with us. He can come in a lot. I do want to get into to glass because – that's a good segue because I think glass is probably the most important thing from s people 
don't sit in glass Binocular, long enough. Spotting. They don't. They get up and move. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no deer. Let's get up and move. Absolutely. Where we would, you we need would to like sit. to have you back on and talk about glass and glass and, and talk about techniques. Maybe talk yeah. techniques, but glass is very it just my, personal real quick. I've and you, we, we've been around long enough to know where you just have one reticle and it's like, oh, yeah. okay. I remember my, up over shoulder. Yeah, my dad always said, oh, hold six, six inches above, six inches above the shoulder and pull the trigger. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> How do you tell six inches? Where did it hit? Below, below, above the back or below the belly? I don't know. Do I hold it 12 inch? But now, yeah. now you, you're so, you become such a better shot, I think, when you have, and a lot of people, you know, you can't, everybody can't afford that high end glass. So Is I always, I always say buy the best glass you can afford. Sure. Because it makes you more comfortable, a be, you know, better marksman, more ethical to be able to, if you're able to have a turd on Everyone there. can afford it. They make credit cards. Well, the, <laughs> uh, and you're exactly to right. Off. And that's what I was going to say. You know, I went through a lot, a lot of glass, binoculars especially. Yeah, yeah. Before I, before I ended up with something that I could sit in all day long. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't agree. Get what you can afford. Get the best. Get what you're going to get. Get the best now. And get Bite it now. the bullet. Get over with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna come out with you know different <laughs> glass, different different coatings, blah blah blah. But if you get the best that's out there today, it's going to stay with you the rest of your life. I was just going to say it. It's not quite like smartphones and laptops that's changing every year. But it does change though. But I mean, oh, absolutely. But the, what's the best right now is probably good for 15 years of a, a guy that isn't hunting a ton. You know what I mean? If you're going out, you know, if you're hunting multiple tags in multiple states and it's what you love to do or or you're addicted to looking at bighorn sheep and you want to see them and count the rings, you know, you're probably buying new stuff every two or three well, years. Well, you're getting in close. And you're you're getting too, in yeah. close. I mean, even the best ones, you're, you're not going to be counting rings out there at five, 600 yards. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, and be well, accurate with that's, it. That's the segue maybe into next we'll have, week. We'll have Mel back out again. Uh, I appreciate Federal for uh, sending us all this ammo for all the new calibers we got to test out this year. Crowley. Write into us and tell us what your favorite caliber is, what you're hunting with this year. What your uh, Doomsday, I guess, was the wrong word to use there. I don't want – yeah, we're all using ARs when that day comes. But uh, <laughs> what's your uh, – if you could only buy one rifle, I guess, what's the caliber – I bet a lot of people would say 300 after the conversation we just had because that just seems to make sense. All right. Well, thank you, Uncle Mel, Clay. Well, thanks for having me. We'll see you all uh, next week. All right. See you. John Wayne with my daddy's last name, born 50 years too late.